welcome to Overinvested, a podcast about pop culture obsessions. I'm Gavia and this is my co-host Morgan. Hello. This week we're going to be talking about the sports anime Yuri on Ice, which is truly the best piece of media that came out last year in 2016. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a kind of romantic comedy about figure skaters. It definitely falls into the sports anime genre because it's kind of the story is predominantly told through the skating competitions. And everyone in my general Tumblr social circle is completely fucking obsessed. Morgan and I are both figure skating fans. Morgan, um, for a longer period than I, because she's American and you guys actually have figure skating there. So I did make Morgan watch all of this and I think she did actually quite appreciate it, although perhaps not to the fiendishly obsessive degree that I did. I kind of found out the show kind of started airing in October uh, last year and aired for 12 episodes over the winter and within about a month it became a massive success. Everyone was talking about it, it's become like this huge kind of cult following and basically like the biggest fandom of 2016. So obviously we had to do a podcast um, and we're very excited to talk about this in detail, possibly with an emphasis on how much I'm talking. (laughs) Yes, I have never watched an anime before so I enjoyed this quite a bit. I think I probably would have enjoyed it considerably less if it had not been about figure skating. I think I still would have liked it, but mm. the fact that it was about figure skating definitely added a lot to it for me because I've been watching figure skating since I was around five years old and I really love it. And the level of thought and accuracy that had gone into all the figure skating elements, which was the whole show. Yeah, it's like an amazing combination of technically accurate and sort of affectionately mocking of figure skating culture, I think. (laughs) Yeah. So that was very satisfying for me to watch. Um, I think while we were watching it, I kept sort of saying about everything, that's a real costume that someone would wear, or that music sounds exactly like something that someone would skate to, and the little things like that were highly... Yeah, Morgan was kind of like, oh, I bet someone's definitely skated to this song. And I was like, they made up almost all of the music for, this for the show. <laughs> they were just that accurate. It's sort of, an, yeah, they've got someone just like, yes, this is like a real opera song. And then other parts where it's just like really embarrassing sort of pop music that skaters would choose and be like, this really speaks to my heart. <laughs> they picked it like so selectively. Um, but yeah, for listeners who are maybe not familiar with Yuri on Ice yet or have seen part of the show, kind of the first half of the podcast, we're going to have relatively spoiler free. So we're going to talk about the first few episodes, but we're going to stop at around episode 10 where it gets really spoilery and then give a warning. And so the second half, we will talk about all the events that happen in the entire 12 episode arc. So Morgan, would you like to kind of describe what the show is about? Morgan's shaking her head. You have to do it. I really think that this would be benefit greatly from you doing the honors here. Yeah, Morgan is acting here as a heroic sounding block for like my basically monologue about the best show ever. So the premise of the show is the main character is a Japanese skater named Yuri Katsuki who is He's a competitive figure skater. He is basically world-class. He is the best or potentially one of the best uh, male skaters in Japan. And um, the kind of show begins with him essentially having nervous breakdown. Um, this The show is structured over the Grand Prix competition where um, there's a series of heats and then the people who win each section go forward to the Grand Prix final where there's six competitors. So the show begins with him coming sixth out of six after 
his uh, dog dies and he like gains some weight from overeating because he's really stressed and he has um, a lot of kind of anxiety issues and he's crying in the bathroom at the Grand Prix and then this teenage boy also named Yuri <laughs> who is Yuri Plasetsky who is nicknamed Yurio he's like this Russian very angry teenager bullies him and tells him how much he sucks and then Yuri the main character Katsuki goes back to Japan kind of with his tail between his legs and is feeling really miserable but you know the key relationship in the show is between Yuri and Viktor Nikiforov who is the Russian champion and he's basically like the hugest celebrity in the figure skating community he's been a champion for the best part of a decade he's won tons of gold medals he's this beautiful elf prince he's got sort of when he was younger he had like flowing platinum blonde slash silver hair and now he's got short platinum blonde slash silver hair he wears great outfits he's very charming um but he doesn't really have a lot of kind of close emotional relationships but because yuri is only viewing him kind of as a fan you don't really get to know victor personally for several episodes of the show which is kind of an interesting um kind of introduction to the way the story is told because as the series progresses you kind of realize how much of it you're seeing from Yuri's point of view and maybe the depictions of certain characters are not strictly accurate because he's an unreliable narrator but yeah after he's gone back home this small town where his family lives in Japan the way he cheers himself up is he does kind of a cover version of Viktor Nikiforov's most recent program so he's doing this really beautiful like graceful performance um set to an Italian opera song called Stay Close to Me and it's kind of this yearning ballad about searching for love and then finding love and eventually deciding to like surrender to love and be with your beloved and it's also sung by a man so it's kind of masculine tragic love song and of course one of his rink mates actually videos Yuri doing this Viktor sees the video and flies to Japan, shows up in Yuri's family home's um, spa. Yeah, his spa, like in the like naked in the spa bath, because obviously you don't wear clothes in the bath. And it's like Yuri, I'm here to be your coach, and that's the end of episode one. And like from that episode, you're like, holy shit, because there's this whole storyline that's about anxiety and being a professional athlete and figure skating in a very accurate way but it's also like this incredible like very impactful introduction to the love story between these two men which kind of builds as the series goes on but um, from then on it's kind of about Victor helping Yuri kind of become more confident in himself uh, because he already technically has most of the physical skills to be really really great at skating like he is Japan's top skater but he thinks of himself as just like not that impressive um, and Victor has like psychological means to turn him into a champion so they you know, practice and go through various competitions. And it's really clear that Yuri is completely in love with Victor because he's been idolizing him since childhood. Like he named his dog after him as a kid and he has posters of him all over his walls. And Victor is like really flirty, but you're like, how is this going to end up? Um, and we will discuss more of that in the later episodes, but I think that's kind of the general gist of how the first few episodes go. And it's truly magnificent. <laughs> See, if I had been tasked with giving a plot summary, I would have spoken for 30 seconds. And <laughs> you just gave an unbelievable level of detail, including, for instance, last names, which I would have forgotten or not been able to pronounce. <laughs> which is why you are doing the talking <laughs> episode. Yeah, well, there's also loads of supporting characters we're going to have to talk about as well. Because each of them, after the first few episodes, are kind of about Yuri being trained by Victor. Um... Then uh, the Russian Yuri, Yuri Plasetsky, comes over to, to Japan and he's like, Victor, you've promised to choreograph me a short program and you must fulfill your promise. So Victor, because he's a complete jackass, is like, well, you're both going to have to compete for my affection. So they have to have uh, basically a dance-off on ice 
where he gives each of them a program that he thinks will stretch their artistic uh, capabilities. Um, and then the one who performs it with the most panache wins Victor as a coach. It kind of sets off the theme of the show, which is that like Victor and Yuri's romance and the kind of character arc is intertwined with the figure skating stuff. So Victor choreographs a pair of programs, one of which is Eros and sexual love, the other one is Agape, which is unconditional love. He gives the unconditional love one to the kind of angry, angsty Russian teen Yuri, and he gives the sexy one to Yuri Katsuki, who is really virginal and nervous and also constantly panicking because he's having to hang out with his, uh, his, his lifelong crush and he's always like sweaty and nervous. So it's like, it's hilarious and amazing. Um, but as we kind of learn later on, it's quite significant that Victor has spent several months choreographing these two programs for himself and he's been like, well, you know, I don't know which to choose. Do I choose the sexual love program or the unconditional love? And in the end, he gives them to his two protégés to represent what he thinks of them. Um, so Yuri Plazetsky does a very impressive showing but does not win. And of course, Yuri Katsuki does win Victor as his coach um, by performing a shockingly impressive depiction of erotic love by imagining himself as a pork cutlet bowl because <laughs> Yuri finds it very difficult to get in touch with his feelings so everything he does is through metaphor like he's always talking about figure skating metaphors and when he's told to think about the thing he desires most he's like I really want a pork cutlet bowl because he always eats it after competitions and he's had to put on a figure skating diet um, and Victor who was clearly hoping for something a bit more sexual is like slightly frustrated by this and he's like fine okay pretend you're a pork cutlet bowl <laughs> Yeah, it's like a really kind of interesting introduction to his sexual awakening because Yuri imagines a storyline for this erotic themed dance thing where it's about this dashing gentleman comes into town and uh, seduces this woman and then kind of leaves her hanging and leaves town and it sort of seems like that story is about Victor coming to Yuri's town and Yuri's quite virginal and nervous and has never been in a relationship before and is worried that Victor is going to leave him in the lurch after having this huge impact on his career. And also both of the Yuri's are wearing old Victor Nikiforov uh, costumes. <laughs> so they're both wearing ones from earlier in his career and Yuri Katsuki decides that he is going to wear one that has like a little skirt thing, so it's kind of androgynous, it's slightly ambiguous, different from his normal style, which is quite neutral and athletic. Uh, <laughs> Morgan's just looking at me like, what? <laughs> You've just like got like in-depth summarized two episodes in a row. Yeah. <laughs> we, we could do a 10-hour podcast where you just went through the whole show. <laughs> Which I do not think is possible. <laughs> no, we're not going to be recapping every episode, but I feel like that gives you kind of the idea of the dynamic between the main three characters. Yuri Plazetsky kind of expresses everything through pure teen rage. So when I was watching the show, I was like, this is definitely going to be Morgan's favorite character. He, this is true. He this loves teens. <laughs> he's great. And his animation is like, he's got a very funny, cute face because he looks like an angel and he's clearly very angry about looking like an angel. <laughs> and he hates absolutely everyone except people who are confident enough to realise that he's actually a completely harmless dweeb, which is basically Victor, because while Yuri Katsuki is kind of nervous but secretly very competitive, Victor is kind of... He's incredibly confident in himself as a celebrity and he's very charming and he's got like a kind of superficial smile situation going on, but there's kind of moments where you're like, you're an airhead. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's a wonderful characterization element because it's sort of like, he is sort of an impressive, like charming leading man, but he's also an idiot. <laughs> well, he's- But not like a full idiot, you know, he's like just slightly, just a bit silly. Well, he's really good at his job. Yeah. And when he talks about the figure skating stuff with both of them, I mean, they don't talk about the technical stuff so much because it would be boring for the audience. But 
sort of he talks about psychological things and general things about skating that we can understand it's clear he really knows what he's talking about and isn't actually an idiot but then in every other respect <laughs> he's just a dummy he's <laughs> great totally self-absorbed yeah. <laughs> no idea that anyone besides him has feelings but in, in a really world. lovely way where it's sort of like you can tell that if he was a real person he'd be the kind of person who sort of grins and everyone's like well he's got a lovely smile <laughs> <laughs> old ladies yeah, love him yeah i mean not in the show this is just the sort of person i'm imagining constantly wreathed in a flower crown even when he's not actually wearing one <laughs> beautiful elf prince yes um, truly a delight but yeah kind of he's really perfect for where yuri is at his point in his career because there was not really anyone who's depicted in like a strongly negative light in the show, but the implication is that Yuri's previous coach didn't really push him as much as he should, because even though Yuri's really self-conscious and nervous and doesn't think of himself as a success, he's also completely obsessive, perfectionist, so his previous coach was kind of like, well, you should do your best and hopefully you can reach the top six, whereas Victor is like, you need to win a gold medal or nothing, because he just doesn't have the concept of not winning a gold medal in his head. <laughs> and he also sort of has a more realistic idea of Yuri's capabilities, so he just pushes him to do as best as he can and kind of finds all the ways to motivate him because he has a better idea of a skater's psychology because that's kind of what he's been doing. Just It's just like a really interesting depiction of how low self-esteem is not a single thing. Like you don't hate every aspect of yourself. He just He's just kind of neurotic and has a lot of anxiety issues, but at the same time, thinks that he should be perfect and also kind of knows that he can, which is why he's so disappointed when he doesn't do as well as expected. Because obviously there's other skaters in the show who are like, I'm quite pleased that I came fifth because I know that's my capabilities. Yes, which I thought was kind of realistic and nice because obviously 99.9% .9 of professional, professional athletes don't medal or whatever the equivalent mm. is in whichever sport particularly in individual sports. I'm thinking of tennis, which is my favorite sport, which is obviously different from figure skating, but is fairly similar in terms of just like, you have to put in an enormous amount of training and effort and just years and years and years of your life. And most people are never going to be that famous or make that much money, or, I mean, there's more money in tennis than figure skating for sure, but only the very, 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 very best in the world actually get to the top. And I imagine that it must be very frustrating if you're kind of lingering near there and can't break through, but the sort of psychologically healthy approach to that would be to say, do your best. I really like this. It's nice that I get to do this as a job. If you are making decent money, that's great. And if I can come in sixth to get into the next round, or if I manage to come in fourth or whatever, I mean, fourth is terrible, it's not third, but you get my point. You know, that's, that's cool. Whereas if you are one of the people who can get to first or second place, then your head explodes. Constantly because in a it's just <laughs> like the complete nightmare. Yeah. And like kind of the, the motivation for Victor to make such a bizarre decision is that he's 27, so he's kind of nearing the age where he should probably retire, but he's still winning gold medals because, you know, the implication is that he's just this ferociously talented person who perhaps has, they've just got like the perfect body for the sport they're doing, so he's just like amazingly good and world class. But he sort of doesn't have the motivation to give his performances the originality that he requires, because like this is kind of the one point where 
the show sort of slightly moves away from the harsh reality of figure skating because they do put more emphasis on surprising the audience and having artistic originality, which is included in the scores of figure skating, but obviously because it's an anime show, it's more interesting to think about it as like a theatrical sport than talking about counting points. Yes. Be dull. <laughs> or jumps. Yeah. They talk about jumps a lot. They do talk about jumps a lot. In reality, yeah. it's just jump after jump yeah. after jump. And Which. commentators talking about jumps. <laughs> I mean, Morgan and I became friends over the period between when quads didn't matter in figure skating and now they do. Because five years ago, you can watch, you know, really great, memorable figure skaters and they do not have to have a quad jump where you revolve four times in the air. And now you do, and it's like very. Like, it's more dangerous for male figure skaters because, like, they have to do all these jumps and it's also, like, a bit more mathematical and less artistic. So, uh. Yes. And they've changed the scoring system as well. So they've changed it. I think they changed it after the 2002 Olympics because in the 2002 Olympics there was the huge scandal with the Paris skaters where there was proven corruption. The Canadian figure skating team, whose names I have forgotten at the moment even though I definitely know them because I was obsessed with them at the time, gave by far the best performance and they came in second to the Russian pair and it was cheating. I mean, the judges had, I don't remember if they'd been bribed or whatever had happened. Um, and they gave them a gold medal, like a couple days later, there was like an extra ceremony. It was real. The whole thing was really fucked up and bizarre. They didn't take the gold medal away from the Russians. They just gave an extra gold medal. Wait, so the Russians kept? Yes. Mm, interesting. Cause they didn't want to rescind it from them cause they'd because they already given it yeah. to them. They don't have like a defrocking ceremony, like right. where you remove the laurels from right. the field. Sally or... and Peltier, that was their names, sorry. <laughs> they got married and then they got divorced, and I believe she is now a commentator for uh, the Canadian broadcast, the sort of Quebecois broadcast. Yeah, there's, there's a limited number of careers open to retired figures. Yes. So anyway, they then, I mean, there were a number of factors, but that was one of the biggest impetuses because there is a massive amount of fraud in figure skating scoring. And because it used to just be like 6.0 score out of Which is part of the reason why I love it so much, because I basically hate all sports, but I love that figure skating is really subjective. There's a lot of costumes and music and dancing. There's a lot of corruption. There's people with weird biases. So it's more interesting to me than people just doing feats of strength. (laughs) Yeah. So you used to get, uh, I think, I believe a tactical and artistic score out of six, Mm -hmm. and they were weighted equally. And now they have this unbelievably complicated... I mean, it is impossible. I basically understand it, and I still don't understand it at all. And the popularity of figure skating in the United States plummeted massively after they instituted this new system because no child could look at that and understand what was going yeah, on. I mean, when you look at the scores, the competition is in two programs. You have a short program and a long program over a couple of days, and it's like... One of them's like three minutes, the other one's like six minutes. And the scores are like 103.72 and like 198.5. And it's like, I mean, you can't follow it, right? Like, if you really understand figure skating, you can watch and you know the difference between the jumps they're doing, because basically all the jumps are just them revolving in midair. So like most of us are like, I don't have any fucking clue whether that's a quad flip or a quad whatever. But the idea that people can watch that live, the level of expertise you must have to have to be a judge and be like, I think we should deduct like one third of a point for this step sequence out of like 150 is just insane. Well, and the thing they did, which is the thing that makes me the most angry, is that you now get points or, you know, parts of points, whatever, 
for quad jumps if you manage to make it all the way around, even if yeah. you then fall. Because it's with triples, you can just do the jump. But with quads, because it's so fucking hard, there's like a really good chance you fall, which is something that's really interesting to watch between figure skating five years ago when I got into it and now. Because like this show is very modern in the sense that people fall really regularly. Yes. And before it was pretty shocking for someone to just straight up fall and then still win a medal. Right. And obviously, I mean, people fall all the time, yeah. obviously. But the fact that you could still get points for a jump where you've fallen, I think, is ridiculous. I mean, if you can't actually do the quad, then you shouldn't get yeah. point. I mean, what? Yeah. So it was interesting to watch this because they clearly had such a deep understanding of how all of these things worked. But as you say, even though they were incorporating all of those specific details and giving them weight, they were also making a big deal out of personal expression and all this artistic stuff, which I think is what figure skating should largely, although not exclusively, be about. And that's what I like about it. And the skaters I like now never win because... (laughs) I mean, I like some of the top guys too, but the ones I like the best almost never win because they're more artsy-fartsy than the technical guys. And so I was happy in this sort of fake universe where that was valued. And also when you get to the competition episodes kind of midway through the season, um, you get more... I mean, the show isn't told in first person, but you do get some internal monologues from Yuri. And in the competitions, you get internal monologues from each of the skaters, so you get to see the different things that they're thinking while they're performing their acts. And also, like, each of the uh, programs are, like, so tailored to the characters. So, you know, there's one character who's kind of Yuri's best friend from college, and he has one that's just this really, really cheesy, like, pop musical song from an invented musical called The King and the Skater or The Prince and the Skater or something that they made up for the show. <laughs> and so we sing this, like, really silly, like, cheesy musical and it's so good. And then, you know, one of them has one that's just all about, like, him breaking up with his girlfriend. And some of the routines also kind of narratively fold into the story of the show. So there's a brother and sister, not pairs duo, which is common in skating, but they're they're both solo skaters. But the guy is really emotionally reliant on his sister in a really creepy and weird way. And he's got this program where he's a knight defending someone's honour and it's really skeevy and it's sort of, uh, it's a contrast with Yuri and Victor's relationship, which is more kind of supportive. And by that point, they've got like a more mature equality between them. And there's also one of the other Russian skaters who just has this incredibly stalkery program that's all about like, he broke up with his ex-girlfriend and it's like incredibly melodramatic. And like the voice actor has this like a really intense voice and it's just so ludicrous. And they, you know, there's scenes where like the other skaters are basically kind of like laughing at him. (laughs) Amazing. He, as I believe we said to each other at the time, is the only one in terms of costume who really is not realistic. Yeah, because his costumes are like too intense. He's wearing a lot of makeup, which is uh, visually rare for men. Obviously, they do wear foundation, but... But uh, it was fine, because <laughs> it was great. Yeah. Uh, so over the top. It was truly And all of the choreography is so good. It's by a retired skater who's now a choreographer for a lot of quite high-up uh, Japanese figure skaters, a guy named Kenji Miyamoto, and he does mostly kind of performance programs rather than competitive uh, skating, and like he performed versions of it and they kind of filmed it and then did rotoscope animation so that it would all look real and it does look really real so um yeah it was sort of shocking to me how real it looked i mean not that the animation itself was completely perfect obviously but in terms of it resembling what figure skating actually looks like it completely did look like that for the reasons you just described 
and they all have separate styles. <laughs> <laughs> but then there are a number of episodes that literally just are, you know, the short program at this competition, and they'll just show everyone's short program, and it's basically the whole episode, and that combined with the fact that all the level of detail in the costumes and the music and then especially the choreography are so realistic. It basically just felt like watching figure skating. And I'm, I was sitting there thinking, I would like to watch some figure skating. <laughs> it, it really um, gave the illusion of that experience yeah. in a very, very satisfying way, I thought. Yeah. I, I, I don't watch a lot of sports anime, but I am kind of distantly familiar with the genre and I think that's like reasonably typical where yeah. it's like you're watching a show where the whole emotional arc is really solidly tied into the competition and it's also like really technically kind of complex. I mean obviously mm. Yuri and Ice the, one of the reasons why I caught on is because it's so detail oriented and it's very very thoughtful structurally but when you compare that to the genre of sports movies most underdog sports movies follow a relatively simple and similar emotional structure and I mean obviously some of them are truly incredible but I was just like this one blew me away like, <laughs> just like there's so much going on and there's so much background detail and even though each episode's only 20 minutes long they have this whole giant supporting cast of other figure skaters in the background who are all really well characterized and they all have individual arcs even though they only get like a couple of minutes of screen time each episode and that's like on top of the fact that they've got this really well characterized romance in the kind of center so well done you're real nice <laughs> yes <laughs> do you again. you have some positive feelings Gabby? yeah i yeah. couldn't tell at all but, um, yeah, I think it's kind of time for us to move into the second half of the podcast where we talk about spoilers. So if you don't want spoilers for the last few episodes of the show, stop now. But I'm assuming most listeners have probably watched it already. <laughs> I think that's probably um, a safe assumption yes. to make. Yes. Um, so episode 10 is the point where the like bombshell drops in this show. And it's amazing. Because um, like for the first half, it's kind of like, yeah, this is a Cinderella story about this guy who manages to meet his idol who is really impressed by him and kind of wins him over and he gradually develops as a result but in episode 10 you discover the whole thing has been totally fight club to be watching it from the opposite end of the kind of narrative viewpoint we discover that instead of victor just appearing seemingly at random and like really quite intensely hitting on yuri despite never having met him before <laughs> Actually, they met at last year's Grand Prix final after party, where Yuri got catastrophically drunk to combat his nerves after losing out of the Grand Prix. And he was the life of the party. He was dancing. He did a pole dance with Chris Giacometti, who's the sort of comedically sexy member of the finalists. And he basically blew Victor's mind by how fun he was, because Victor had a very structured life of being a champion and always having a really impressive public persona to put on, where he's sort of this very slick celebrity, but is not necessarily having much spontaneity in his life. And then Yuri showed up, and he was a drunken mess, but he was a very charming drunken mess. He challenged little Yuri Plazetsky to a dance-off and won, then he and uh, Victor kind of waltzed around and there's lots of amazing pictures in episode 10 that kind of reveal this. And the best part of this is that um, it's revealed kind of after Yuri and Victor have already basically started dating in the show. So they've, you know, they've kissed on screen, although their kind of lips are obscured because it's all very ambiguous. But they've exchanged engagement rings 
And then they're kind of at dinner with some other skaters and the other skaters are polite. They're like, oh yeah, you don't remember last year's after party. And Yuri's like, oh, I don't remember anything. I was too nervous to even talk to Victor at that point. And Victor just does this like amazing spit take where he completely <laughs> freaks out. You can kind of imagine the internal monologue of him looking back over the past eight or nine months to all the stuff he's been doing that just makes him sound completely insane by comparison. <laughs> like, he literally showed up naked at this guy's house. I was like, I'm your coach now. Moved into his house. It's been hitting on him for like months until Yuri finally, not relents because it's not like an unwelcome thing, but it's like... They've been on very different wavelengths for this entire time. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're just like, wow, it's so embarrassing. And Victor's like, no, you blew my mind. It goes from being Cinderella to being Pride and Prejudice because you think it's like, oh, he's like the cool, sexy Mr. Darcy. And actually he's been like obsessively pining after you for ages. <laughs> he choreographed two programs depicting unconditional love and like a sexy guy spurning someone after leaving town. Yuri was the sexy guy doing the spurning all along and not Victor. There's just so much. I've watched the first few episodes three times now because I watched them twice myself and then once with Morgan. I've watched the latter ones like once or twice. It's amazing to rewatch after episode 10. I think kind of a lot of people immediately went back and it's like, holy shit. Every single episode has like a little detail where they've put in, like when Victor first arrives at Yuri's house, Yuri has to like apologize. He's like, oh, we don't have any bedrooms. You're gonna have to sleep in the banquet room. And Victor's winking like, oh, the banquet room. And you're just like, at the time, you're like, this is like a weird kind of heightened anime reality comedy thing where he's just like a weird sexy guy. But then you look back at it and you're like, you think he's making a reference to the banquet room where you had the dance and he doesn't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Layers upon layers. So many layers. <laughs> but it's also like, for the whole show, you do gradually realise that Yuri is a really unreliable narrator, but this is like the mother load because it kind of ties into, I mean, obviously it's unreliable because he doesn't remember what happened, but also because he's so kind of anxious and doesn't think highly of himself. He doesn't consider the idea that other figure skaters know who he is or respect him. And in Victor's specific case, he doesn't know who a lot of his competitors are because he's incredibly self-absorbed and doesn't care. But clearly all of the other skaters know who Yuri is and think he's a fun guy and respect him because he's a top skater. And also, for the past year, they've presumably been thinking of him as the guy who like seduced this hugely famous athlete at a party. <laughs> and, <laughs> and got then, him to move yeah, to Japan. Yeah, and got him to move to Japan. He like sent him this love letter of a video where he's doing this amazing depiction of his really intense romantic program. And then Victor sees the video and it's like, this is definitely a message from my one true love. <laughs> the ball and flying straight to his parents house and I'm moving in and everyone else in the figure skating community is like holy shit Yuri Katsuki is like some kind of sex fox who like managed to you know, drag him away from his career as a gold medalist and turn him into this coach who lives in this small town in someone's parents house and like doesn't have access to the it's oh, oh it's so good and he is yeah he's the playboy of the Euros routine and it's also there was a video that we'll link to in the show notes that kind of compares the two versions of Victor's stay close to me routine that Yuri copies the rotoscoped animation is obviously identical but the kind of the style they give them they give Victor this amazing very elegant flair and then Yuri's like a bit I mean at that point he's physically a bit more dumpy because he's gained some weight between competitions but he's also like slightly less confident but also he's got like naivety going on and then in the finale after the final Grand Prix competition um, they do a pair skate to it, wearing uh, pink and blue costumes because um, Victor's costume is originally pink and, you know, Yuri gets his blue version. They duet and it's the kind of final metaphor for their love and it's really fantastic, you know. He starts off solo on the ice and then a pink light comes on to show the warmth of his love appearing and then pink Victor shows up on the ice. Truly magnificent. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, sports-wise, it ends on 
the ideal note because Yuri doesn't actually win gold in the end, he wins silver and uh, Yuri Plasetsky wins gold. Um, but that basically makes it absolutely 100% mandatory for there to be a second season because they've now reached this narrative point where Yuri has the confidence to go and do incredibly well. Like He actually breaks one of uh, Victor's records, but now he's kind of on an equal playing field to Victor and he sort of, he basically breaks up with Victor in a very hilarious, in like a hilariously clueless way. <laughs> he's sort of like, yeah, we should just break up now. Clearly this is over because he's kind of preemptively assuming that Victor's going to leave him after the competition. And Victor literally just like bursts into tears and is like, no, you have to stay in skating and keep going with me. Uh, it's it's truly amazing. I feel like I'm not describing this well, but all of our listeners will have seen this episode already. So, so it okay. doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. But um, but like in order to prevent Yuri from retiring, Victor leaps back into the fray and says that he's going to return as well so they can be competitors. So now they're on an equal playing field. Also with Yuri Plazetsky, who's now like 16, has just won a gold medal and is incredibly talented. So... Between those three, there's going to be a lot of competition in the next season. and uh, Well, and you can never have the main character win no. at the sports thing. Well, the thing it, is it's, that, like, it's like a rule. There was always like a possibility that it would be like a single arc show. So like if it ended... But even so, yeah. like Rocky doesn't win. It would Rocky wouldn't work <laughs> at all if Rocky... I mean, he does in the later years. I mean, it's a, different, yeah. it's a different kind of story, though. Because like, I feel with this... Because I don't think it's romance. that. I mean, this obviously is different in many ways, but from the sort of sports angle, yeah, it's much the same. Because mm. the whole point isn't actually about winning. He's got inner winning. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Adrian, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, it's about the journey. Yeah, and then and next season. The outcome. I think the assumption. It's kind of unclear. Also, I've only seen the finale once. I need to watch it again, but um. The implication is that they're probably going to move to Russia together, so Victor is simultaneously going to be attempting to regain his solo career as a champion and also coach Yuri. And I think we're in for like an upsetting episode where Victor wins his first silver or bronze medal or even doesn't place, which is going to be very emotionally traumatising for him. Yes. Um, meanwhile, young Yuri Plasetsky will be very angry with both of them because he's, like, desperate for them both to be competing, but he's also, like, really angry about everything, which is just, like, he really does reach his peak in that finale where he just, like, is so enraged by the concept of Yuri Katsuki retiring because he's, like, he loves him as a rival, but you, like, don't really realise it until the end, I don't think. And then I don't think he really realises it. He doesn't realise it because he's not very self-aware and he's, like, no. 15 or 16. He's but. a child. How amazing is the scene where he's hanging out with Otabek, the Kazakhstan competitor, and Otabek, who's another very serious teen, but like slightly older, is like, you have the eyes of a soldier, which is like, <laughs> just the best line of the whole show. Also, he proposes friendship to him. He propo- it's just so, it's just the behavior of just, it's just so unnatural. It's and <laughs> Yuri has never had a friend, and so it's like, okay, I accept this proposal of friendship. I love like that's normal. Yurio and Otabek are just truly amazing. They have a great arc together, you know, Otabek gives him the thumbs up when he's performing, and then in the finale, Yurio has learned from him and gives him a thumbs up. Yes, I have seen these two images put next to each other on the internet maybe 50 times, so I think that everyone has, has picked up on that one. It's unfortunate that Morgan has to not only follow me on Twitter, which is, I understand, very difficult. <laughs> And also has to follow her real-life friend and my Twitter virtual friend, Caitlin, who also posts incessantly about Yuri on Ice. Well, it's been a real revelation because I can finally understand her anime tweets. 
which is normally not at all the case. I feel like my eyes have been opened for this brief window, which will soon shut when a different anime comes along. Yeah. But it's been which a glorious I time. Be watching because it won't be a queer rom com about figure skating, which is like it's kind of designed like for, for me. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Because I have seen kind of bits and bobs of other sports anime and also kind of, I guess, like, um, more, like, homoerotic type anime that's, like, very different from this because it's not, like, it's not a story that's, like, about a queer love story. Like, obviously, this stuff doesn't map directly onto kind of Japanese media versus, like, UK, US media, but there's, you know, there's a fair amount of kind of yaoi, like, inspired anime where it's sort of intentionally homoerotic, but, like, also definitely no gay characters at all. Um, and also, like, the female characters are not always this, that great, whereas in this, even though it's definitely kind of male-dominated and all of the characters are in, you know, it's the field of male competitive figure skating, the female supporting characters are really good, and it's just, like, a really positive, nice, uplifting story about people who are supportive of each other, and they like each other, and it's kind of taking place in this world that seemingly doesn't really have homophobia, because even though it's, like, intentionally ambiguous, so you can kind of imagine your own interpretation of what the love story exactly is. There's no sort of weird, like, no homo stuff, and it's all very kind of sweet and romantic and sincere. Yes. It's very pure. <laughs> it is the purest thing. <laughs> <laughs> also, before we break, we must briefly mention Stéphane Lambiel. Oh my god. Who is... <laughs> The greatest man. Oh my god. So there's there's so many, like, obviously there's lots of kind of references among the main characters that are kind of copied from real life skaters. You know, there's references to sort of Evgeny Plashenko and Johnny Weir and various other famous figures. And also in the real world, all of these figure skaters are watching this because they're like so excited that there's a really accurate depiction of their sport. Because it's not like footballers are going to be like, oh, we don't care because there's like already football media and they're yes. already really popular. Whereas like basically no one pays attention to figure skating apart from figure skating nerds, if that makes sense. And they got a cameo for the finale, which, quite <laughs> frankly, blew both of our minds. We were <laughs> screaming! <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, a great figure skater from France, now retired, now coaching. And he had been tweeting prolifically about this, <laughs> which I had been seeing even before yeah, I was he's, watching. Because he's now coaching, and he is coaching like a you know a teenager and they've been both watching the show together <laughs> and he had a voice acting cameo as himself he's not a very good actor and no, it doesn't matter at barely all barely delivers the lines but like he's just so wonderful he's so charming he's from the pre-quad era he's very artistically beautiful and he does look more like a disney prince than any actual Disney Prince, like in real it's life, astonishing. Like, like his animated face looked less Disney Prince-like than the real Stefan Lambiel experience. It's true, <laughs> it's true. Which is just, I mean, wow. Yeah. How does he do it? He just has, you know, he's got that natural sparkle and also obviously incredible bone structure. Both those things help. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful hair as well. Very Disney Prince hair. Oh, yeah, it was a, a sort of beautiful meshing of of fiction and reality. <laughs> It was a great cameo as well by Plushenko. Yeah. Not a real cameo, but yeah. he his, and then his animated, visage his, appeared. His face appears. And also, like, yeah, like, Evgeny has posted on Facebook a little bit about the show, like, every other... Has week. he really? Yeah. Oh, my God. So, like, the, my assumption can only be that he has at least seen some of it. That is hilarious. And it just makes me, it makes me terribly curious. Because Evgeny Plushenko is, you know, is a 30-something Russian athlete who's definitely met Vladimir Putin on numerous occasions. I mean, he's crazy. 
Mm, he's, he's like fully he's the Russian Terminator yeah. his, his body is full of metal he destroys the opposition there was a lot of business happening going on with the last Winter Olympics which we probably shouldn't go into but um... <laughs> <laughs> I agree I agree with that sound exactly um, what, a, what a complex world of sports intrigue yeah. this is also the thing right is that this show is like the most pure thing yeah. figure skating in real life is so it's fucked up it's just like <laughs> massive corruption I'm sure everyone has like an eating disorder yeah. <laughs> I mean they do actually deal with that yeah, they they, do deal the with food it. stuff but you know broadly speaking <laughs> it's it's so positive it's just, it like came at like precisely the right time for us to all psychologically really need something that you can like passionately obsess about that's like incredibly positive and so usually with fanfic I don't read like a lot of dark fanfic but I think there's a lot of overlapping kind of Morgan and I liking slightly more political stuff or like really miserable Captain America stories and that kind of thing and with this I don't really want to read necessarily like fluff about people just shopping for curtains but the tone of the show is just so nice so like occasionally I'll see a fanfic where they like try to interject like the concept of homophobia or something or they'll be like it's time just to go in depth with eating disorders and I'm like do what you will but I feel this is inappropriate for what I want (laughs) and it needs to be just like lovely you know you can have lots of you know emotional conflict because there's people crying all over the place in this show and there's lots of arguments and misunderstandings and competition losses but politically and socially it's a wonderful free land (laughs) (laughs) amen uh, and on that note, yes, <laughs> let us let us end here for the day. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Yeah, welcome and- to any new listeners who've come to join us from the Uriah Nice fandom. We welcome you greatly, and we have a long backlog of episodes which you should listen to. And you can find them on overinvestedpodcast.com. If you enjoyed this episode, we would greatly appreciate a rating or review on iTunes. That is how we find new listeners. You can otherwise find us on Twitter at overinvestedpod or on Tumblr at overinvestedpodcast. Thanks. Bye.